Growing a small business has never been easy. So, how can we build our companies and shortcut the learning curve? By getting advice from the people who've done it before. Everything you need to grow your business is right here. I'm Simon Lader. Welcome to the conference room. Welcome to the conference room for the second part of our best of 2021 episode of this podcast. In part one, we featured some of the extraordinary guests we had from fields such as sales, productivity, mindset, diversity, and so on. If you want to hear about how to never have a bad day, how to grow your business using SEO, how to deal with overwhelm, how to hire the people who will propel your business, and much, much more, go check out part one. But right now, if your business attracts new clients through marketing, and let's be honest, that's pretty much every business, then this episode is for you. Over the last 12 months, we've had some of the most incredible experts from all facets of online and offline marketing come into the conference room, and this best of is the marketing special. And we're going to start with my good friend, Barry Mitzman, who came in to talk to me about influencer marketing. Barry is an Instagram influencer, social media consultant, and host of the wildly popular podcast, Women of Valor. And asked her how businesses can benefit from working with an influencer. Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Reddit, all of these places have become news outlets, the new newspapers, the new magazines, the new commercials. Some people literally use Instagram as like Hulu and Netflix, which is why in certain areas of the country, like I'll see people and they'll react like I'm, you know, Chris Hemsworth. And I'm like, what is happening right now? Like I'm a human. Like I become a celebrity in their home because they see my life all the time. I find it personally ridiculous, but like, hey, you do you. I'm a human being. You know that most of our city knows that and they don't really know what I do, which, which I find hilarious. But Instagram is people's reality TV and they spend a lot of time on it. And having people who have built up a followership, that's putting out like an ad in a newspaper. You're exposing people to your product and there are certain outcomes that can come out of it, you know, your product or service. So you can either come out of it with brand awareness. At the very least, you come out with brand awareness, given that the person has an authentic following and shares their stats with you before you opt to pay their fees, which is very important. See their analytics and vet it first to make sure that you're happy and have everything written out in an email so that you can go back to it. And each party is very happy at the end or not, but at least everything's written down. Then being able to, whether it's first at minimum, it's the exposure. Then if the goal is to get followers or views on your Instagram page, the action is clicking that at sign, you know, heading to that page. It could be web traffic and it could be sales. That's one thing that people also have to know. Web traffic is also a benefit and it's not an influencer's job to make the sale for you. It's the influencer's job to bring them to your product or service and you yourself have to make the sale. That was Barry Mitzman. And you should check out her podcast, Woman of Valor. It features inspirational women and their stories. And listening to it has definitely enriched my life, so I highly recommend it. You can find Barry on Facebook, Instagram, and her podcast, and we'll post links to all of those on the show notes. Bill McCormick discovered the power of LinkedIn when he and his wife started their business in 2016 with only a handful of clients. And he began studying social selling and discovered a method to reliably find and develop leads and generate sales using LinkedIn. 
Bill came into the conference room to talk about social selling, and he gave a masterclass on how to develop meaningful relationships on the platform. I asked him to explain his strategy for using LinkedIn to engage with people that you want to do business with. Look at their profile, look at their content and engage on their content. That's why people create content is so that you can engage with it. Make some comments, like it. I guarantee if you like and comment on people's content, they're going to be much more open to connecting with you and having further conversations. Find something in common. Don't use the LinkedIn pickup line. So the famous pickup line is, hey, come here often. Well, the LinkedIn equivalent is, Simon, I see we have some connections in common. Most people don't know most of the people they're connected with on LinkedIn. So using that isn't, isn't really a way to connect with someone. Also, make sure you're authentic. Don't say, Simon, I see that you're doing some great stuff at Selassie Human Capital. Okay. And then you get five more messages like that from other people. Why? Because somebody's teaching them to do that and it's not authentic. And the reason I know that is because I get a lot of connection requests like that. And I always come back and say, you know, if you had sent me that message, I'd say, so Simon, I'm just curious what I'm doing at Social Sales Link resonates with you. And usually I'll see that they haven't looked at my profile. So the better way to connect is to actually connect. Look for a way to make a human to human connection. We have to stop thinking of people on the other side of the screen, on the other side of that LinkedIn profile as a number in our CRM or as a dollar amount that we've attached to them because we have to hit a quota this month. You know, one of the things that Bryn Tillman says is we have to start attaching what the client means to us and start attaching what we mean to the client, which means how much can we help them and with what can we help them with. That was Bill McCormick. And you can find out more on Bill on guess where, LinkedIn, and Social Sales Link and his podcast, Making Sales Social. And we'll post links to all of those on the show notes. In 2021, when someone says networking, they're probably talking about online. However, there's still a huge amount of opportunities that come from offline traditional networking. And Gordon Jenkins came onto the podcast to talk all about it. Gordon is an internationally renowned speaker, best-selling author, and networking strategist, and like me, is originally from Manchester, UK. In fact, we grew up only a few blocks away from each other, and like me, he no longer lives there. He now lives in Melbourne, Australia, and I'm in Las Vegas. And we met through this podcast. So after we'd geeked out about the old neighborhood, we turned our talking to about networking. And I asked Gordon what he advises his clients who want to become effective networkers, whether online or offline. I probably get greater interaction right now by congratulating people on a certain achievement that they've happened in their role and saying thank you or by introducing them to someone else in my network. So at the moment, I've got cards in particularly Melbourne and it's something which I've got to reconsider. But I usually send congratulation cards. When someone's been promoted, I send them a congratulation card, a handwritten card. Um, someone's just introduced me to, funny enough, I've got a low friend introduced me to someone I've been connected to on LinkedIn since 2016. We've stalked each other on LinkedIn, but for some reason, we just never connected. And she doesn't actually have a rubber duck in her office only around the corner so i've dropped off a thank you card and rubber duck and i've already got a message from her the other thing that she really is i get invited to different events and I, sometimes i take people out to different events and sometimes it's out of a partnership sometimes it's one of the partners it's like the husband or the wife it's never the husband very rarely it's a husband and wife so what i've started doing with the firm that I, who's who's one of my clients because they do a lot of golf a lot of sporting events is if they take one partner to an event they will then send the partner at home like some six scones with jam and cream saying you know what someone else said we're, we're thinking about it all the time we're being different we're trying to be unconventional and it's not really unconventional it's unconventional in the way that we traditionally talk to network 
but it's actually not unconventional now in the way that we want to integrate as humans. So for anyone that's listening there, you know, podcast, it doesn't matter if they're a car mechanic, simple things. If you see a baby seat in the back of the car, don't leave you know, a packet of mints for the driver. What can you do for the kids? You know, if someone's a repeat customer, what are you going to do? If someone's referring through to you, what are you going to do that is different other than just sending out a mail? Stuff. And one thing I say you should never, ever do if you want to make a difference, because you won't make a difference, is use the also text. Never do congrats, congrats, congrats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The thumbs up. Actually put a bit of effort in it. And it's actually not hard to do. It's actually really, really easy. So you want to make a difference. You want to be able to differentiate yourself other than price. So the way I think about networking is we have a flock of sheep that are always a sheep. And then we have the shepherd. And the thought process is you need to be the shepherd. Well, I actually think that's an old way of thinking. You need to be the star that both the shepherd and the sheep are looking at and actually tell the people the way that it should happen. Differentiate yourself out there. Be that star. That was Gordon Jenkins, whose book Network with Purpose is available now. Gordon is also a supporter of the Longitude Foundation, and you can learn more about them online as well. And find links to Gordon, his books, and the Longtime Foundation in the show notes. If you want to get advice on how to grow your business, maybe former CEO of Google, Eric Schmidt, would be a good person to ask. Well, Eric wasn't one of our guests in 2021, maybe 2022, but we got someone who Eric Schmidt invested in. US Navy veteran Justin Nasiri is the founder and CEO of Captivate AI and is a specialist in content creation and repurposing. In short, his technology helps turn one podcast episode into three months of social media content. Justin has been featured in Inc. Magazine, TechCrunch, and Business Insider, and he came into the conference room to discuss how to become consistent and ever-present in social media. We talked about the challenges facing people who preferred creating a single type of content, maybe a blog, YouTube video, or whatever, in a world governed by algorithms that look for variety. I asked Justin, how diverse should someone's content be on social media? So a couple of things. The first is I heard this, your listeners have probably heard it too, but I love it. It's like the golden rule is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. The platinum rule, even better is do unto others as they would have you do unto them. Like we're all different, right? So if I really like audio and I really like podcasts, that doesn't mean that the people I'm selling to really like audio too. It kind of comes back to the empathy of, well, maybe my audience actually prefers short videos or maybe they prefer long blog posts, or maybe they prefer eBooks. And quick side note, you don't have to know the answer there. Well, like part of what I'm evangelizing with repurposing is if you are distributing content in a variety of ways, you're gonna learn pretty quickly what works. And also you can serve a larger percentage, maybe 20% like video and 50% like written. Like you're gonna be able to serve everyone if you're giving them multiple options to relate to you and consume your content. So don't view it as a single channel. So that's the first thing though, that platinum rule, you know, feed people the way that they want to be fed. A second one is a quote that I heard actually pretty recently, but I like it. It rings true, which is the five, three, two rule. And the way that I understand this is five. If you were to look at 10 pieces of content, five are related to your industry. Three are your own original content and two are more playful and fun content. I don't have any data to support that, but that strikes me as true of like kind of industry knowledge, especially for LinkedIn, industry knowledge 
college, five out of the 10, three, your original thoughts, and then two, just, you know, maybe for me running or whatever it is about life that's more fun. So that's a second thought. The third one is I'll send you that link again for that LinkedIn top voices analysis. This is always changing. So I encourage people to experiment and see what works, but it does seem like the content that performs best on LinkedIn right now is text heavy with an image. And that tends to perform better, followed by video, followed by an article with some text and then text only. So there is a value of mixing it up. I don't think for anything, for diet or anything, it's good to just eat one type of food. I think for posting, you do need to vary it, but experiment and see. If you're taking a portfolio approach, you might notice over time that your text only posts perform great. Maybe you do a little bit more of that, but I think that you'll always need a portfolio to provide diversity, partly for experimentation, but partly because we want to be dynamic creatures. We don't want to be doing the same thing day in, day out. That was Justin Nasiri, who as well as being an extraordinary content creation expert, runs Beyond the Uniform, which helps military veterans navigate their civilian career. His podcast, also called Beyond the Uniform, is well worth a listen, and you can find out more about Justin and his amazing software, Captivate AI, which is used by over 15 million users and Beyond the Uniform by clicking on the links in the show notes. The beauty of hosting a podcast is that this is an intimate conversation with one other person, and I'm really not aware that there happen to be thousands of people listening. Yes, there really are thousands of people listening. I don't mind public speaking, but there are plenty of people for whom the idea of standing on stage or going live on Facebook reduces them to jelly. Luckily, Melanie Wood came into the conference room to talk about how to wow your audience, whether on stage or on social media, which is well worth a listen. But the conversation turned to showing up consistently for your audience and providing them with content that provides value. I asked her how she advises her clients to overcome disappointment when the audience doesn't engage. I put all this out there and these ungrateful troglodytes just ignored it. How would you overcome that? Yeah, definitely. And it happens to us all. So what I say to people is, is that you've got a 90%, a 5% and a 5%, right? So overall, there's a 100%. So I call them like bookmarks, right? And you're kind of looking at the left, looking at the right all the time, but you never look in the middle. So the left and the right is that one 5% are your cheerleaders they're like, yeah, you're so amazing, like liking everything, sharing everything, but they will probably never buy from you because your closest family, closest friends, closest people, maybe it's current clients, they're your super, super cheerleaders. Then you have like another 5% who are your people who don't really agree with you, right? They don't really agree with you. Maybe they put on there and they want to challenge you and question things about what you're doing. So we end up giving attention to those two sides, those two very 5%. And we forget about the 90% in the middle that generally don't do a lot. They don't generally really engage in your stuff on a lot of the time. They are people, if you're maybe speaking to people in person, they sit there with their arms folded, their face looking like, you know, they're bored being there listening to you. So I say is like, you've got to show up every day for the 90%. They're your stalkers. They're your people that are watching. They're the people who will buy from you. 
but they don't necessarily do anything with it. I mean, honestly, I could say I would be a millionaire if I literally put my money on every time I got a client that said, I've been stalking you for 12 months and now I'm ready to work with you. So there's certain things that I do around content to get those people to start engaging or starting to do something. So it's really thinking about those 90% is that when any of your posts or when things don't happen for you, it's just keep telling yourself, I'm here for the 90%. I'm here for the people in the middle. And that's a massive, massive amount of people that are there. And I know that it's hard when you put content out, but that's coming back to you to just say, I'm here for them. I have to do it myself. I don't always get the engagement and get all of those things either. And I have to keep saying 90%. And somebody will then email me back saying, oh my God, your YouTube video was so good. And you're like, oh, thank goodness for that. Like, I really keep thinking I put this content out and does anybody listen to it? And eventually you will get some people who will come back and say that video or that content you did was really good, but we can't rely on it. You have to come back to knowing that you're doing it for the people who are more silent. That was best-selling author and public speaking expert Melanie Wood, whose free ebook Become the Butterfly, 15 Steps to Make Your Public Speaking a Success, is available now. And you can find out more about Melanie, her business speaking styles, and download her free ebook by clicking on her links in the show notes. Now, as small business owners, we're expected to be marketers, salespeople, project managers, coaches, and goodness knows what else. And with all this going on, it's very easy for our days to descend into chaos, which is why I was so delighted to have organizational expert Paige Killian come in and talk to me about how best to organize your office and your day. I asked her why she felt it was so important for businesses and business people to be better organized. We have physical clutter. It lends itself to mental clutter. I very much believe that business owners and parents can benefit, and kids, by the way, I should add that in as well. They can really benefit from organization because again, that physical clutter can lead to mental clutter. If you've got stuff all around you that you're not processing and organizing and putting it in place and it's just out, it takes up physical space. It starts to wear on you mentally. So if you think about a business owner who perhaps is a genius, And you go into his or her office and you see stuff everywhere. And you think, how on earth can this genius perform this way? They are so smart. They are so good at what they do. And then you see this scattered stuff everywhere, but like almost like scatterbrained and you go in to try to meet with them and they're sorting through and they can't find the things that they need. And they're leaving things behind. You're stepping over stuff. You feel like you can barely get to the chair to sit down. It's not a welcoming environment that lends itself to creativity and making you want to have a great conversation with them because it's a freaking mess, you know? So if that is the case, I would just say, can you imagine how less of a brain fog that business owner might be in? So much more mental clarity and the ability to perform in a peak way if that office was a little bit more organized. Can you imagine? It's not to say that if you're a disorganized, I think in a lot of ways, a lot of us are disorganized. This is a very busy world. There's a lot of stuff, whether you're a parent or a business owner, there just is. And naturally it becomes more and more and more every year, no matter what position you're in. If you are not making the intentional conscious choices to eliminate some of that physical clutter and have room to breathe and have room to think in your physical space, you are just not giving yourself, I believe, the most chance of success in whatever it is you're trying to accomplish. 
That was Paige Killian, whose podcast Mom's Organization Motivation is well worth a listen, whether or not you're a mum. You can find out more about Paige, her podcast and her business, Everything With Style, by clicking on the links in the show notes. Now, pretty much every marketing expert agrees that email marketing is a great way to keep in touch with your audience. However, if your week is as busy as mine, you probably struggle to find the time to write emails on a consistent basis. Sales automation expert and best-selling author Eli Delaney came in to talk us through his incredible system that enables him to sell to his audience for three years on autopilot. I asked him how exactly he set it up. I did it over time. And here's the magic to it. First and foremost, when I built this originally, I didn't have the formula that I have now. So the formula is what I help clients with. It speeds up the process massively to be able to do it this way. But when I started out, what I did was I would spend a couple hours. I'd go to a coffee shop, go there, grab coffee, grab breakfast, sit in a corner, get kind of comfortable, put on my headphones and start writing. And I would write six emails. And then a month later, I would come back and I would do the same thing again. And I put on my calendar every month, once a month, I would put anywhere between, you know, two to four hours, depending on what it was. As I did more, I got better and faster. And again, like I said, this was all before I had the formula for creating all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And what I would do is if you do it once a month, but you only write six emails at a time, you're now two weeks ahead. And then when you come back to do the next one, you're already two weeks ahead, but you write six more emails. So now you're four weeks ahead. The next month you come in, you write six more emails. Now you're six weeks ahead. So you're a month and a half and you just keep doing that. And I did that to the point where next thing I knew I stopped. I'm like, well, how many do we even have in here? And my partner who actually put it into the CRM system is like, well, you could not write anything for the next year. Wow. Okay. So you make sure they're evergreen that they don't date because you're not referring to, oh, here's something I saw. Because a lot of emails that I see that come from people who I think like to think of themselves as emailing experts, very often you'll see, oh, did you see the Emmys last night? Mm -hmm. And that'll be the title. And then there'll be something about whatever that subject matter is that refers back to the Emmys or refers Mm -hmm. back to the Olympics or something else. I would imagine that wouldn't work with this kind of format because I'm not going to respond to, oh, didn't so-and-so do well in the Olympics when 18 months ago. Right. So here's the thing with that. Number one is I go for as much evergreen as possible. So those can be automated and we don't have to worry about it. But then what I will do is those kind of emails can go above and beyond the automated process and can be time-based, event-based kind of stuff. There's nothing wrong with that. The problem is that most people, that is their entire thing. And so if something happens, you get sick, you get bored, you're having a bad week and just don't want to mess with anything. If you don't do it, nothing goes out. But by putting the system, like the ultimate follow-up system in place, which is what we do, then if something like that happens, you know the world is still working for you. Your business is still working behind the machines. The minions are working, you know, and that's what we're looking for. We're not looking for do no work and everything just happened. I mean, obviously that's a goal to some degree, but there are going to be situations where you have a timely type of situation or something that just sparks your interest and you want to share it. then obviously you're not going to write that and stick at the end of your sequence because somebody may not get that for a year or two years or however far you go on your system. But what you do want to do is make sure that you have this stuff in place, working and functional. So when you get those sparks of inspiration that are time-based, you're good to go. But if something happens and you can't or just don't feel like doing it, your business doesn't stop. 
right it still works behind the scenes and so we're not talking about an either or situation it's an and but the idea is you set this down as a baseline and you don't have to do those if you don't want to if you want to that's perfectly fine but like i have times where i'll just get an inspiration and i want to do something i've literally gone like a year where i just didn't have anything specific that i wanted to share but i didn't have to worry about it because the rest of it's still working that was Eli Delaney, co-founder of Purple Night Marketing. His books, Marketing Tidbits and Networking Tidbits, are a must-read for anyone wanting to scale their business. And both are now on sale on Amazon. And we'll post links to those and Eli's website in the show notes. So we've all been there. You've clicked on an email that has promised you a great free book, and you've gone on to download that resource. Some are great and start you off with a great relationship with that company. Others, not so much. And as small business owners, we want to build those great relationships with our customers by creating similarly high-performing lead magnets. Sales strategist Kylie Lang came into the conference room to discuss building sustainable online businesses. But quickly, our conversation honed into the area in which she is one of the world's leading experts, lead magnets. I asked her what key things she considers when she creates lead magnets for her business. So bringing that back to the lead magnet, your lead magnet should only ever be trying to solve one problem. Do not try and solve more than one thing. With anything like this, it's always one problem, one call to action, because you don't want to confuse things. As I said right at the start, you're not trying to solve every single issue that your audience has. You're picking on one of the most popular ones that you know is going to be something that most people have asked the question about previously. And then your lead magnet needs to solve that problem. Now, that could be in several different ways. As I mentioned, there's lots of different lead magnets that you can create. Some are more popular than others. And it really depends on the type of business you've got as to which one I would recommend. But one thing I will say about lead magnets right now, and this kind of comes down to how short people's attention spans are, is the quicker they can have a win from it, the quicker they can consume it, the better. We're all time poor. We all have the attention span of a flea right now. You just think the way we flick through Instagram, we need something that's going to give us instant gratification. So creating a guide that's 50 pages long is never going to work. Unless, of course, you know that your audience are ones that like to dive deep into absolutely everything. But generally speaking, most people's audiences aren't like that at the point of which they're just discovering this person. So that's something to bear in mind. So things like cheat sheets, swipe files, checklists do very well. The lead magnet that has done the best for this year and is set to do really well for the next few years is most definitely the quiz. Why? Because it's easy. It gives a quick win and people love taking quizzes. You know, we've all done it. You know, what Harry Potter house do you belong to? You know, we've all done those BuzzFeed quizzes. So we are primed to do things like that. That was Kylie Lang. And to find out more about her or her framework, The Fab Factor, you can find information on LinkedIn, Facebook, and on her own website. And we'll post links to all of those in the show notes. Now, if you wanted advice on building your brand in an ideal world, who would you ask? Well, how about the person who worked on brands like L'Oreal, Gillette, and AOL? Advertising executive Lynn Power is the former CEO of advertising heavyweight J. Walter Thompson and worked with celebrities like Eva Longoria, Heather Locklear, Andy McDowell, and Beyonce. She oversaw the launch of Gillette Venus, Gillette Skincare for Men, and Joracell Ultra on their branding. 
Lynn left the corporate world in February 2020 and set up her own brand, Masami, and came into the conference room to talk about brand scaling. Now, most small businesses do not have the marketing budget of L'Oreal, so our conversation focused on scaling a brand with zero marketing budget, and in particular, brand positioning. I asked Lynn why brand positioning was so important. I think because it's the glue. And I don't think if you don't have that marketing perspective, I think if you're like an engineer who's built a great product, you're enamored with your product. You don't understand that it's more than the product. It's the promise. It's the values. It's the proposition. It's where it sits in a consumer's mind. It's the role it plays in their life. When you actually start to answer those questions, it makes your life a lot easier down the road because things like what products are you going to launch next? Well, they roll off the tongue because once you have your values and your proposition, you know exactly what you should be doing next. And that's been for us, like our North Star and our guiding light is really understanding that. And then this other thing I brought from the advertising world is really knowing that there are increasingly a huge number of specialties in the business, right? Like I can't possibly be an expert in Instagram ads and the algorithm rhythm for Amazon and SEO and all the sort of rabbit holes you can go down in digital, but they're so important for your business. And so you really need to figure out what are the capabilities you need, depending on what type of business you're building. If you're building an e-commerce business like I am, you need those capabilities. So you need to find people that go into those rabbit holes very deep because I don't. I'm like the kind of person who is a generalist and I know just enough to be dangerous and ask the right questions but I don't go deep, deep, deep into like SEO keyword strategy. And so when you're starting a business, you know, you have to think about, okay, what are those roles on the team? What are the capabilities and how can I find those people and get those capabilities? And you mentioned a zero budget. And in our case, what we ended up doing is building a team that was all equity-based. That was Lynn Power and her company, Masami, is leading the way on high-end, environmentally friendly hair products for men and women. To learn more about Lynn or Masami, you can visit them on the web, LinkedIn and Facebook and Instagram, and links to all of those are in the show notes. If someone is recognized by software giant Adobe as one of the top 50 marketers on the planet, you know they are worth listening to. And that's the accolade that was awarded to Vince Warnock. He's the former chief marketing officer of Cigna, one of the world's largest insurers, and an award-winning coach, author, and host of the Chasing the Insight podcast. He formulated his recipe for success into the code RED protocol. I asked him to walk me through exactly how this works. So what we do, I'll take you through how we do it. It's so simple, man. Like what we do is we sit down with these people and we first out, we write out every assumption about your audience, right? You put that in the left column. So, and as entrepreneurs, as most of you will know, you often have multiple audiences. So multiple personas, ICAs, whatever you want to call them. But you'll have these different audiences there that you serve. And I want to write out every assumption of what their needs are, what their motivations are, what their assumptions, all these kind of things. We write those down. Then we write down in the middle column, we write down, okay, let's have a look at all of our messaging. So what is our messaging targeting? Uh, and we write all of that down. And then we get to the offering usually at the end of that. But one of the things I do is we take a step back and we do one of the hardest things you're ever going to do as an entrepreneur is you're going to ask yourself, why the hell would anybody care? Why would they care about your product and offering? Why would they care about your messaging? And I'll give you a good example of this is we had someone I was dealing with who does a weight loss program, right? So they were doing a weight loss program, which was working really, really well. And they were getting all these women in to try and lose weight. But what the person discovered is the weight loss wasn't actually the issue. 
the issue was often confidence and the issue was often other things that they had to deal with and it related usually back to trauma or back to things that they had to deal with so they were finding that the majority of their program was dealing with that aspect the problem with that is they then pivoted the program to focus purely on that and they said right i'm going to deal with childhood trauma i'm going to deal with all these issues around self-confidence and the problem with most people didn't even care most people don't identify that they have childhood trauma. Most people don't realize the impact that that has on their life right now. Most people don't realize that they have all this mindset and this confidence stuff to do. They have one motivation and that goes back to the whole neural marketing concept, which we can talk about, but it goes back to our limbic system, the emotional part of our brain. And it's basically them going, I want to be accepted. And my interpretation of acceptance, my interpretation of being included and accepted is by looking a certain way. So therefore I want to lose weight. So we had to test all of their messaging and go, yes, that may be the core of what you offer. That may be what you do. But in reality, none of that matters at all to this individual. So can we then test some messaging around what does matter to them? So then we tested stuff just around losing weight again. And suddenly the clients came back and suddenly the clients started signing up. That was Vince Warnock. And the second edition of his award-winning book, Chasing the Insights, is on pre-order on Amazon right now. But the first edition is on sale and is an amazing read. And I urge you to listen to his podcast, Chasing the Insights, to get some amazing tips on how to market and scale your business. Links to Vince, his books and podcast are in the show notes. So that wraps up part two of this special look back on the conference room for 2021. I'm really, really grateful to everyone who came onto the show. When we first started, we didn't have a listenership. We were anonymous and it was just an idea that I had. But yet these extraordinarily talented people were prepared to come onto the show that no one was listening to yet and give me some of their precious time and share their talents and expertise. To everyone who came in from episode one all the way through to episode 49, I am humbled and so grateful for your time, your generosity and your belief in our podcast. And to every single person who listened, and on average, that's 1,500 of you every week. And you can't all be my mum. Thank you so much for inviting me and my guests into your homes. It's thanks to you that we're now a top 1% podcast. And thank you for listening, for your reviews, for your comments, and for sharing the show. It makes it all so worthwhile. So wherever you are, thank you so much for listening. And from myself, all of my guests and everyone involved in producing the conference room, have a happy, healthy new year and all the very best for 2022.